Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy to be won. Take your Bibles again and open back to Mark chapter 11. Thank you to our praise team. I know it's as we're doing this and as we're learning and as we're growing in this, and again, I, I applaud their courage. It's not easy to be up here. Then Landon had to be somewhere with uh, the praise team that he's working on or learning under and serving on with Anderson University. They had to be at a church this morning, and there'll be a couple times that happens. Uh, but the, I, I've, they did a great job. And I know it's, again, us learning to follow and me learning to follow and all those kind of things, but thank you so much for your ministry. It's wonderful, and the songs, again, just wonderful. Mark 11, verse 1 through 11. I'm going to read the whole thing again, but before I do, if you would, hold your Bible up over your head and say along with me, this is the Word of God. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of God. I want to read this passage again, and I remind you, um, this is introducing, or this is the beginning of, in the passage here, not, we're not Easter time now, but uh, as they were celebrating Passover in what is known as the Passion of Christ, or Passion Week, is what we are entering in, as Jesus now comes into Jerusalem, and there's actually this same section of scripture or the entrance into the city and the riding in on a donkey takes place in every single gospel and they all tell a few different details or add some details to it uh, because they had different audiences to it and so therefore they're all a little bit different and they add some Death, if you will. And so I'm going to reference some of that, but let me just go ahead and read again this passage, verse 1 through 11. Now this is, again, right after um, we end in chapter 10 where they had the last miracle recorded by Mark and certainly I believe the last miracle period and the last person to choose to follow. Now there's other followers that go along this crowd, but he became a follower of Jesus. This also is right after we learn, if you read the passage in John, which is in chapter 12, the same passage, you learn that it is one day after Mary anoints the feet of Jesus with the ointment and washes his feet with her hair. This is one day after that. And so therefore, let's pick up the reading again. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem and Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, or right over there, right across from you, right, right next door, is what he was saying. And as soon as ye be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, wherein never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you do this, or why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. 
And they went their way, and they found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways meet, or at a crossroads. And they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? They said unto him, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought... Battery died in that one. And they, they pick up where I was at. Um, thank you. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments upon him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered in Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And that last part there, Jesus kind of looked around. He inspected things. In fact, another uh, account tells us that Jesus weeps over Jerusalem at that point, knowing what was going to happen, but knowing that they were going to reject him, knowing that they were going to refuse him. Ultimately, he's weeping because he knows the destruction of Jerusalem is also coming. And so there's different aspects or different things added by different gospels. And I would encourage you before I pray the beginning of this message, when you read these passages, find a study, go and find the parallel passage another gospel, and you'll be fascinated at what you can learn. Not that they're different or contrary, but they simply give different perspectives because they were written by different people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but also for different audiences. And so therefore, like Matthew mentions things that would have been important to the Jews, where Mark does not, because his message wasn't directed to the Jews. And so therefore, that's important for us to do. But let's go to the Lord in prayer again. And then we'll continue on with our message. Father, we do thank you again that we have your word. We thank you that we can learn from your word. We thank you that we have the example that your word gives us. And we pray that we would follow the example. Father, help us in our preparation for your coming, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you the story of the shofar. The shofar was a story that I heard when I was down in Atlanta at a conference and I was listening to it again just the other night to make sure I had this story straight. But the girl who told the story talks about her friend had a dad who had a shofar. Now, just very quickly, does anybody know what a shofar is? Not a chauffeur, a shofar. You know what a shofar is. I knew you would. Go ahead. Tell me real quick. A horn that they used to blow through? It's a, Yes. Like a, like a trumpet, it was a, a horn, like a ram's horn or another animal's horn, and it was used by the Jews in particular for calls uh, in the temple and religious things and so forth and so on, and very possibly it was also used uh, within the anointing of a king. Uh, they, would, uh, they would use this horn. So this guy had a shofar. He wasn't Jewish or anything. He just had one, and he had learned about them, and he was a preacher, and he was a servant of God, and he carried this shofar with him everywhere he went in his car. 
And one day he was driving down the road and he felt the Holy Spirit impress upon his heart, I want you to take that shofar and go into this mall that you're about to drive past and just go in the food court and blow the shofar. And the guy thought, that's crazy, Lord. What, what possible good can come? What, why do you want me to? And he's kind of talking to the Lord and then he... Okay, he pulls into the mall. He goes and opens up his trunk to get out the shofar. We always put his shofar in that trunk because he took it with him everywhere he went. And he opens up the trunk, and the shofar is not there. And he said, Lord, you knew the shofar wasn't there. Why did you? And he's not sure what to do, but he says, well, the Lord sent me here, told me to go blow the shofar. So he goes into the mall and he stands in the food court and he takes his hand and puts it over his mouth where the shofar would have been. He goes, and he leaves. And that's the story of the shofar. Now, having said all that, you wondering where I was going with that, I just want to, it was an interesting story because I think that kind of. When I read this story about Jesus coming in, I wondered if they blew the shofar. It doesn't say they did, but I wondered. We're going to continue on. All right, so understand the context of what's going on. From Jesus' perspective, here he is, as I said, preparing to enter the holy city of Jerusalem. It was in fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Jesus did this. Now, there are certain things that Jesus was the fulfillment of a prophecy, and it was nothing in his control whatsoever, right? Being born in Bethlehem, being born of a virgin, being born uh, a descendant of David, he had no control over those things whatsoever. And there were certain things that he did knowing that it was the prophecy for him to do, being the Messiah, and one of them was to enter the city on a donkey because it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. And so therefore he was fulfilling that prophecy in Zechariah. Now, quick question not for you to answer out loud, but as you read this, I've often wondered why a donkey and not a stallion, right? Not, you know, we think of the hero comes riding in on a white horse, right? And, and bold and, 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 and brazen and sword raised and the whole thing. The reason Jesus, at least one of the reasons why he didn't, there's a couple reasons. One, in Jewish history, uh, Solomon in particular, the king would often ride in on a donkey, not on a stallion. Um, but also, when you would ride in on the donkey, it was a sign of peace. To ride in, in other words, I'm coming in peace. To ride in on a stallion would be I'm coming for war. And Jesus is announcing Although we don't often look at it this way or we don't think of it this way, but if you read it and understand what was going on, he did so because that was a tradition. He did so because it was a prophecy, but also because of the fact that Jesus comes in peace. He doesn't come to whip us into choosing him. He comes to love us 
And it came to be a sacrifice. And although the, the Jews misunderstood the prophecy of what was going to happen, the disciples misunderstood the prophecy of what was going to happen, Jesus knew that he was coming to lay down his life and be the sacrificial lamb. The lamb of God. By the way, this was Passover week. And Passover week, they do what? They would sacrifice a lamb going back to Egypt when the death angel passed over and they were instructed to take a lamb and to sacrifice that lamb, take the blood and mark the doorpost, and then they would eat the lamb. There was a sacrificial lamb. Here, it's no mistake that it's at Passover that Jesus Christ is going to die on the cross being the ultimate sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God that was sacrificed for you and me. So that's his perspective. He knows that this is the beginning of this last week. He knows he's going to the cross in his crucifixion and his resurrection. He knows that. He also knows that by doing this, he's going to stir up not the Romans because the Romans would have been like, what's going on here? They wouldn't have understand the symbolic nature of the prophecy or the fact that, so that Solomon also rode a donkey when he was coming into Jerusalem as king. They didn't understand that part. Their, their way of celebrating a king coming in was with pomp and circumstance and with chariots and horses and, and armies marching into Rome. It was a magnificent thing. And here's our humble Lord and Savior coming in. But the religious leaders understood what he was doing. Jesus understood what he was doing. In fact, as they celebrate him as the coming king, it was the first time that Jesus allowed people to publicly proclaim him as the promised one of God. He knew it would stir up the people, the, the religious leaders, and he knew it would lead to his arrest and his death. He knew that. And so he did that to stir them up. In fact, if we go over to John, and you were reading John 12 and in verse 19, I believe it is, it says the Pharisees said to one another, see, what have we accomplished and all we've been trying to do, to in other words, in order to stop him, the, all the world goes to him. All the world is following him. And it was at that point that they said, we've got to kill him now. We've got to put him to death. And so Jesus, from his perspective, was writing in and announcing his arrival and allowing the people to announce his arrival, his preparation for this king that was coming so that he would be crucified. I want you to see the people's perspective. They were following this miracle worker, this one who could heal and raise from the dead. We read not in this passage, but you go over to John again, and you find that many of the people that were there were the ones that had heard about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And so they're going to see this miracle worker. They're going to anoint this king that is coming in, the, the people's hope. And yes, many of them, he was the Messiah, the promise of God that they were celebrating. They didn't understand everything perfectly from their perspective. They still thought he was coming to set up his kingdom at that time. We, we, we know that. We've talked about that. There was confusion about that. There's confusion among the Jewish people in particular to this day. That's the reason, one of the reasons why Jesus could not be the Messiah because he did not set up his kingdom then. But the people believed 
that he was the hope, that he was the promise, that he was the king. They just did not understand that he had not come to set up his earthly kingdom yet, but he came to pay the way for all that would believe to inherit a heavenly kingdom. And those people laid down coats and palm branches as was the tradition in paving the way for the king coming into the holy city of Jerusalem. And they called Hosanna, which literally means save now. And it wasn't a call to Jesus to save now. It was a call to God to use Jesus to save now. That's what Hosanna meant. And they celebrated and they praised him as he came into Jerusalem. And we remember that Jesus came into Jerusalem. And we celebrate that he came into Jerusalem and paid the price that he did. But here's my question. We know that Jesus came. We know that he died and that he rose again. We know that he's coming back. What are we doing in preparation for the king's coming the next time. That's the title of my message, Preparing or Preparations for the King's Coming. What are we doing to prepare for His coming when He comes? We don't know exactly when it's going to be, but we know He's coming. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen as He came into Jerusalem, but they were preparing for Him to come. They were celebrating Him as He came. And so therefore, I want you to learn from what they did and learn what we should be doing in our preparation for the king's arrival, for the king's coming. Number one, pay attention to his instructions. Pay attention to his instructions. He told them what to do. He told them what to do. But before, well, in telling them what to do, he also told them when to do it. When to go. And I really want to hit that first. He came, they came into Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, and he sendeth forth two of his disciples. You go now. Now go. They got, the context is there. Don't wait. Don't wait a few more days. Don't wait a week. Don't wait a month. Now is the time. You go. And so therefore the time was the present. It was an imperative. And for us today, it's as we are going. Now, as you're going, don't wait, don't delay, don't say I'm going to go and tell somebody next week or I'm going to make preparations for him coming next year or next month or when it's convenient for me. Now, we are as we are going, every day we are to be preparing the way for the king to come. Not only did he tell them when, when to go, he told them where to go. He said, go into the next village, the village over across from them. The idea is this, go right where you're at, right here where we are. For us, it's right here. We, now again, he sometimes sends us somewhere else, but when he does, if he sends us on vacation, or he sends us and we move, or he sends us as a missionary, it's where we're there then and along the way. Wherever you're at, right there where you are, make preparation for the king to come. Make preparation for the king to come. He'll lead you through the Holy Spirit, he'll guide you, he'll direct you. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. 
Oh, my friends, pay attention to the instructions. He told them when to go. He told them where to go. He told them what to do. Now, he tells them several things all at the same time here. He doesn't always tell us the same time. Again, Abraham, he says, go where I show you. Hadn't showed him yet. He said, go where I'm going to show you, and he did. So he doesn't always give us all the same time, but right here he says when, he says where, and he says what to do. He says, go in. As soon as you get there, there's going to be a donkey. And I want you to get that donkey, and I want you to bring him to me. Very clear. Very specific. And God, if we're listening, if we're really, our, our minds and our hearts and our eyes are focused on him, I know there's a lot of times they say, well, I'm just not sure what he wants me to do. There are certain things you can be sure of that he wants you to do, and he will show you the rest as you go. But he told them, go, and as soon as you come into the city, into that village, you're going to find a donkey right there. And then he said, and when you do, bring him to me. And as you loose him, if there is anybody that says to you, what are you doing? This is what you say. So not only did he tell them what to do, he told them what to say. Now, let me back up to the what to do for a second. Remember the shofar? I told you that was the end of the story, but I'm using that because... That man going in to blow a horn when he had no horn in the middle of a food court in a mall makes no sense whatsoever in my mind or in yours, right? None. They didn't know what he was going to get the donkey for. They didn't know that it was going to be a triumphal entry yet. He hadn't said, hey, I'm going to ride in and fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah. There's nowhere where it says he had told them, this is exactly what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. He just said, hey, you, go over there, get a donkey, and if anybody asks you, you tell them the Lord has need of it. So it didn't necessarily make sense to them. What We're going to go get, just steal a donkey? We're going to go just take one. And sometimes God says things to us and for us to do certain things that we look at and we say, God, that doesn't make any sense to me. Just do it anyway. Obey anyway. Listen anyway. And as they went in, not knowing exactly why they're going to get this donkey or what it was for, they go in and he tells them what the guy stops them and says, hey, what are you doing? And he tells them, exactly what the Lord said, exactly what the Lord had commanded. Look there, and it says, down in verse, um, verse 4, they went their way, they found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways meet, and they loosed him, and certain of them stood there and said unto him, What are you doing? And they answered, just as Jesus had commanded, and they let him go. They said, The Lord has need of him. Isn't it amazing how sometimes we may have no idea exactly, God, I don't know why you're sending me here. I don't know why you're sending me now. I don't know why you want me to do this. But he'll give you the words to say, and he'll give you the answers to give. In other words, as you're going and living your life, there's times that you're not going to know exactly what to do. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will intercede both in our prayer life and in our testimony in knowing what to do and what to say and how to say it. And it also says be ready to give an answer and he'll give us the answer too. If you just trust him. 
and just pay attention to the instructions that he's sending in preparation for his coming. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. They did not. God knows exactly what he's doing. We do not, but we follow his instructions. And here's the thing that happened to them and it will happen to you and me when we listen to his instructions and we go when he says go and we go to the place he says go to and we say the things that he says and we give the answers that he says, we'll find that it happens and it works out exactly as he said it was going to. Just as Jesus said it was going to happen, it happened. They said unto them, even as Jesus had said they were going to say, or as they were to say, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus. Another place that says that they saw that it happened exactly as Jesus had said. And you will find that when you follow the steps that the Lord is directing you in your life, and when you find that you, that you look to the Lord and listen to what he tells you to say, that exactly what the Lord has prepared to happen is going to happen in your life. When we go preparing the way for Jesus, we find that Jesus has prepared the way for us. Isn't that amazing? I've never had a time where God, there's times that I've gotten it wrong. There's times I didn't say what I was supposed to say. There's times I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I didn't listen intently and I didn't follow exactly. But I'm telling you that when I follow what God tells for me to do, God works out exactly and God's already prepared the way for what he wants me to accomplish. Number two major point. Not only do I want you to pay attention to the instructions in preparing the way, but I want you to pay attention to the preparers who prepared the way. I want you to see this very quickly as I try to go through these uh, uh, as quickly as I can. Pay attention to the ones that were being used to prepare the way. Because God is using you and wants to use you and me in preparing the way for him to come again. Number one, there were those who were sent, right? There were the two that he sent out. And there's some of us that we want to be the ones. Yeah, pick me, Lord. Pick me. And sometimes we get upset when he doesn't pick us. And then there's others of us that don't pick me, Lord. Don't pick me. You ever, you ever go to a, a I, in my mind, I think when I was thinking about this, uh, like a magic show. You go to a magic show and they call for a volunteer to help, and you know, as a kid, oh me, 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 and I never got picked, and I was always upset. And there's others that say, no way, don't call me up on stage, don't send me over there. That's not my thing, right? I just, you know, I'm okay over here. You just don't, don't. And then they'll call someone who doesn't even have their hand raised, and the person's like, oh no, 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 no. There were those that were sent. Whether they wanted to be sent or not, they were sent. They were the getters. They were the ones that went and get, got the donkey. He sent them out as two, but they were the ones that had a very specific, very visual, very important task. They were the getters. And there's those that God calls of us that are the ones that have the very visible, 
on stage, in the spotlight. Everybody can see it. Everybody knows they were the ones that God calls some of us to do that. And sometimes we're willing. In other words, we just love it. And other times we're like, God, I really, that's, mm, I'll do it. But I don't know if you know what you're doing, God, but he does. There was a second group. By the way, the two went. They obeyed. There was a second group that they were the ones that sacrificed. They were the owners of the donkey. The, the picture is this. The donkey was tied up in the street, so to speak. It's at a crossroads there. But somebody apparently ridden or was using that donkey, and he kind of tied him off on the gate there. And they were doing whatever. They were doing something else. And then here comes Jesus' disciples. We don't know exactly who it was. We think Peter probably was one of them because he's kind of given some more details about that here in this account that comes from Peter. But the guy stops him and says, hey, what are you doing? That's not your donkey. Whether it was the owner or whether, apparently it was the owner, because when they say we're taking it, the Lord has need, they say, well, then take him. The Lord has need. And if you read another place, it says that he will send him back as soon as he's finished with him. He said, well, then take him. They were willing to sacrifice. Now, listen, did they know what Jesus was going to do with the donkey? No. They apparently knew of Jesus. And you and I, certainly, we know God. We know the Lord, but we don't know necessarily what he's going to do with what we've got. But the point was, is there are certain people that are the sacrificers. They're the givers. They're the ones that say, I'm not the getter, but... Lord, whatever I have, you can use it. And that ought to be all of us. We all ought to be willing to be a getter, to go out and do, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, if you will. But there's also a place where we need to be in preparation for Jesus' coming that we are the willing to be the givers. God, if you have need of whatever I got, it's money, it's talent, it's time, whatever it is, possessions, whatever it is I've got, Lord, it's yours. I know you, and if you've got need of it, that's good enough for me. I don't know necessarily what you can do with it. I go back and I think of the little boy that had the five loaves and the fish, right? And I don't know what you can do with this, but here it is. And that ought to be each of us. God, I don't have, you know, talents of this person, or I don't have the abilities of this person, or I don't have the, the resources of that other person. But God, whatever it is, here it is in preparation for you to do your will and for you to come. Would you use it? And that's exactly what they did. They sacrificed. They learned the need of Jesus, and that was enough for them and it ought to be enough for us. They were the givers. I want you to see the third group. There were those who helped him on the donkey. Now, in Mark, it tells us that Jesus sat on the donkey. Over in Luke 1930, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Luke, in Luke 19 account, it tells us that there were those that set him on the donkey. In other words, they kind of helped him get up on the donkey. There was no saddle. They just laid their coats on him, and they helped him up on the donkey. In other words, there's no stirrups. You know, it's not like a, you know, a, a Clydesdale. It's a donkey, but still, you're going to need some help getting up there. And these are the ones that helped him on the donkey. And in my mind, in our preparations for the king coming, and as we work together, that's the those that, that, that they're not in the spotlight. 
They're not in the limelight. They're not the ones that are the getters, and they're not the ones that are the givers. Now, they may be used for that at some different point in time, but they're the ones that are just kind of helping set things up or take things down. They're the ones that are cleaning in the background or the ones that we never see what they're doing. They just kind of humbly, you know, here, put your foot right here, Lord. Step up. There you go. Okay, here, boost you up a little bit. They were the unknowns. Who would have known who it was that helped Jesus up on a donkey? Who's going to take credit and say, hey, you went and got him, and hey, you gave your coat, and hey, you gave the donkey. I boosted him up. Right? That's not something we would brag about. That's something we'd say, hey, look at me. I helped him get up there. Often get no credit, but they're important. And if God calls us to it, we ought to be willing the fourth group is those who proclaimed his entrance. Now, this is most of them, if not all of them, but they proclaimed who he was. Look there, if you would, in chapter, uh, 11, again, 11, it says, And they went before, and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, those same ones are the ones in verse 8 that spread out their garments in the way and others cut down branches of the trees. You can say they were givers and doers too, but either way, they were the part of the crowd, the before and the ones following after. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, there was ones that were following Jesus all along the way into Jerusalem. And then there were people, if we read the other Gospels, that tells us they came up from Jerusalem and they'd heard that Jesus was coming. They heard that he had healed and raised Lazarus from the dead. And so they came up and joined. And so the ones that were leading the way, they're leading the way. And the ones that kind of came up, then they fall in line and they follow behind, coming into Jerusalem. And both of them are laying down their coats and they're laying down the palm branches and they're doing whatever they can do to praise and glorify and proclaim the Lord, and that's what they were doing. They're saying, listen, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the, high, the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They proclaimed who he was. They proclaimed what he had done. Turn over with me very quickly to Luke 19. I want you to see this. These same ones, they weren't just, they were praising him as the promised Messiah. They were praising him as the king. In Luke 19, in verse 37, it says this, And when he was come nigh, even now the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples, that not just the, that's not just the twelve, began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works that they had seen. And so we have those that were the goers and the getters. We have those that were the givers and the sacrificers. We have those that were behind the scenes and the booster uppers. And now we have those who are the proclaimers and the praisers. They praised him for who he was. They praised him for what he had done. They did so with a loud voice. It wasn't just saying at one time. It was over and over and over. Hosanna! 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 
Praise be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise be his kingdom. God saved. God worked. Listen to what he's done. Listen to what he he done for Lazarus. Listen to what he did for the blind man. Listen to what he did for the leper. Listen to how he fed the 5,000. Listen to what he can do for you. Oh, that's what we've got to be doing. So I want you to pay attention to those that were there and you find that each of us fit into one or more of those callings, those tasks, if you will. And really that third point comes in to pay attention to the praise. Again, praising him for who he was and they pleading with God to do his will. In other words, Hosanna, save now, save now. And they praised. And not only did they praise, but they rejoiced. They rejoiced. Over the other Gospels it says they rejoiced loudly, openly, constantly, clearly. And that's what we must be doing in preparations for His coming. No matter whether we're a getter or a giver or a booster, we can be a praiser and a proclaimer. That's our part. And so the last thing I want you to see is pay attention to our Part. Don't worry about what part you're given at that moment. Just be obedient. Don't, don't, don't be like Moses and say, God, God, I can't talk. Don't send me to go get somebody or say something. I can't do that. God will give you the ability if he's called you to it. Don't complain if you want to be the one doing the talking and you're not and you're just simply the booster. Don't complain. Do what God has got for you to do. And do all that God has for you to do. Every part was important in the preparation. And they were all part of the worship and the proclamation as he came into the city. There wasn't one part that wasn't needed. There wasn't one part that wasn't important in the preparation for him to come. The most important part of the one that came into Jerusalem was the one that came into Jerusalem. Jesus, the most important one that is coming back and one day will come as king, is the king. We simply humbly must be the servants and fill every role in preparing the way. The givers, the, the getters, the lifters, the proclaimers, laying down branches, preparing the way, telling people, The reason we, it's important that we understand this is because it's not just one thing or one task or one calling that you have. It's not your task that defines you. Some people get upset and say, well, that's going to be my definition. My, my defining deed is going to be that being boosting or being that one behind the scenes or I'm going to have to do the talking. No, that's not what defines you. You're defined in Jesus Christ. That's who defines you, not what you do. Your calling is what he's called you to in that moment, but sometimes your calling changes. If, if you think I'm defined by, well, I'm just a getter or I'm just a giver, or I'm just a lifter, or I'm just a proclaimer, then what happens in the next chapter of your life when God calls you to something else? All were important and all were needed and all were involved, in, and many anyway, were involved in multiple facets. 
Our identity is found in Christ. Our calling is what defines us. That Jesus called us. That God called us. And so that kind of brings me back to the shofar. To finish up this illustration. If you think you're the one that blows the shofar, what happens when you no longer have the shofar? The, 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 the girl's dad who had the shofar, all of a sudden it was missing. He didn't have it. He didn't know where, he, where it went. He just knew that he didn't have it anymore. So now what do I do? His calling wasn't to blow the shofar. His calling was to be the shofar. And so that's what he did. And he said, well, preacher, but what difference can I make? I don't understand this. Neither did the dad. Could it have been possible that there was somebody in that mall? Now, I don't know the end of this story, okay? I don't know how this, I don't, there's nothing in the story that I heard that says this is what it was. But the point was made. What if God sent that man, Jeff, in to blow the shofar that he didn't have and he used his hand because there was somebody in that mall that said, you know what, God, if you're real, then I want you to have some pot-bellied old man come in here and make a horn out of his hand and blow it in the food court. And in walks a pot-bellied dad and makes a horn with his hand and blows it in the food court. You don't know what God might use you for. You don't know why God's having you do the things you do. But you're doing it out of obedience for his glory. You're doing it out of obedience and love for him. Allow your life, whether you completely understand it or not, allow your life, your words, your praise, your prayer to loudly proclaim the wonderful works of God the wonderful deeds of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the fact that he came and that he died and that he rose again and that one day he's coming. And in the meantime, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And he's our comforter and he's our strength and he's our truth and he's our light and he's our way, the only way to heaven. And one day he's coming for all those who believe in him. And one day he's going to take us all to heaven and one day we'll be with him forevermore. But the point is this, until that time, and you're no longer here because God has taken you out one way or another, proclaim, prepare, praise for the coming king. Praise for the coming king. Let your praise. You say, I, I, don't, I don't know what words to give. Just tell what he's done. Just praise him. Just proclaim him. Let God lead you through the Holy Spirit. Let God use you according to the, his wisdom and his might and not mine and not yours. And be a shofar. Proclaiming and preparing the coming king. Because I don't understand it all either. I don't always understand what he's doing and why he's doing it. But I understand this. He's coming. He's coming again. And I understand this. Until he does, I must obey him in everything. God help me. God help you to do just that. Let's pray. 
We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.